the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black. Welcome in. Happy Monday. It's Rob Black Show. Adjust my mic levels. Mondays are always like this. You come in and the weekend crew, it's like a hurricane's blown in and blown out of town. Anyhow, I can hear myself again, and that's a good thing. Let's talk stocks. Let's talk markets. Let's talk investing. Let's talk retirement. Let's talk getting you there. Let's talk recessions. What works in a recession? What doesn't work in a recession? Is a recession the greatest buying opportunity of your lifetime in the stock market? Historically, yes. Historically, yes. Also, I got a... Other things to talk about, clearly anything on your financial mind, whether it's can you afford to send your kids to school? Can you afford to have a kid? Last week, there was a study coming out saying that kids now cost over a quarter of a million dollars from age zero to 17. Now, again, if you're higher income, it's closer to 300,000 plus. If you're lower income, it's closer to the, the 170s, 180,000 in ultimately uh, able ability to raise them, cost to raise them, so to speak. So we can talk anything that you want to. Now, let me give you a tease, for instance. On Wednesday, I'm going to do Real Estate Palooza. I like doing theme shows because, quite honestly, the show would get very, very dull if I had to do the same exact thing five days a week. It would be a march. It would be a death march to Bataan, and you want to be happy, and I want to be happy. Now, I went to Lollapalooza as a young man, and it was ultimately an American music festival. It was alt-rock. It was indie rock. It was punk rock. It was hip-hop. It was pretty neat. It was a pretty cool experience. It was a pretty great idea. Now, it had a little political feel to it, but bands like Nine Inch Nails, The Smashing Pumpkins, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Hole, Jane's Addiction, um, really roared through this and said, hey, world, music's worth paying attention to. So, I love the Lollapalooza. Now, what does it mean when I do real estate palooza? Well, on Wednesday, I'm going to have three, four, five, or six real estate experts, people who work in the field, in studio. We only have four total mics, so it's going to be kind of fun. We're going to share microphones. We're going to jump around from real estate agents. We're going to go to the appraisal process. We're going to go to selling a home, buying a home. We're going to hit everything we can on Wednesday in two hours on real estate. So we're going to call it Real Estate Palooza. Music of that day will be, that's right, Jane's Addiction, Nine Inch Nails, Smashing Pumpkins, Chili Peppers, and Hole. You get the basic idea. So don't read too much into it. It's a lot simpler to handle than you think. This is a call-in show, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. There's also a live blog, 910kneww.com, 910kneww.com. Don't ask me stock questions on the live blog. Ask me strategy questions on the live blog or, you know, just do a little banter about the show. It's kind of like glorified instant messaging. You can call the show if you have stock questions, 800-345-5635. Drive four five. Can we do a five-peat? The S&P 500 has put together a string of four consecutive winning weeks. Will this week be another one? It's up 15% in four weeks. The drive for five begins today, and it's not beginning too terribly well. Taking a look at the financial numbers out of the market, we see the S&P 500 down seven points today, sitting at 1,003. 
Nasdaq's down 17 points today in 1983. Dow Jones Industrial Average down 60 points today at 93.10. So the drive for five begins today. If we go sideways for this week, I'm cool with that. Because we've had 15% in five weeks. You get the idea? Now, it's going to be a slower start today. The question is, is it, will, will it be a buy on dip? What's been happening on Wall Street a lot recently is people are buying stocks on dip. We can't put it past the market that it's going to hold true to form again today. Because there hasn't been any bothersome hiccups in the trading trend so far. Now, that doesn't mean, though, the market's not going to experience a corrective phase. It, phase. it should hit a corrective phase. Market can't go down 100%. Market can't go up 100% without throwing in some sort of correction along the way. Now, the pace of gains unsustainable. We're not going to go up 15% every four, month, four weeks. It's not going to happen. So that, we know, is going to slow. There's no proprietary thinking out there. In making the point that the market is due for a correction. Everyone sees it. That's a little bit of a problem. That thought of we need a correction is about as original as saying Congress is going to raise the U.S. statutory debt limit. That's right. Today, that is one piece of news that's creeping out. Treasury Secretary Tim Geithner, he's asked Congress to raise the $12.1 trillion statutory debt limit. We're not allowed to go above that. Well, unless we ask Congress to go above that. So there's going to be the hemming and hawing over politicians, and you know you're going to probably hear Barney Frank go hmm ha hmm ha, Nancy Pelosi go hmm ha hmm ha. But ultimately they're going to do it, right? But if they can get a sound bite for the news tonight, they will. Now the market tension this week is going to be on economic dating tied towards the Fed Open Market Committee. That's our group of bankers that you keep hearing. You know Ben Bernanke, he's the king of the banks. And the kings and the dukes and the, the they all get together at what's called a Fed Open Meeting Committee. And they all talk about, you know, balance and trade balance and retail sales and jobless claims and consumer prices. So we're going to get a lot of data this week as well. Now, the Fed funds rates, where is it going to be a year from now? I think the Federal Reserve is going to start raising interest rates, not this year, but next year. But the expectation will be that it's later this year that they start raising interest rates. Because if we come out of a recession, we're going to see higher interest rates. Now, for business activity, that's bad. That could kill a party. It could be taking away the punch bowl before the party's over. Now, for senior citizens, it could be a glorious, wonderful thing. Because what you're getting in a CD right now is squadoosh. Squadoosh. So if I were to pipe down, if I were to play the part of plumber, basic theme that's dominated the last month. It's that traditional riskier assets have been rallying while conservative ones were weaker. Now, this is important because it's telling people are starting to stretch a little bit too far with their investment dollars. So consumer discretionary, ticker symbols XLY, doing great. Financials, XLF, doing great. Industrials, doing great. Safe areas like telecom, IYZ, Staples, XLP, and healthcare, ticker symbol XLV, they're all weaker. So, hmm... It's not necessarily good because we're shifting money from conservative to aggressive or, yeah, conservative to growth, maybe. I don't want to say the word aggressive. So the risk-seeking theme, it's also seen in the bond markets. AAA, corporate bonds, also known as LQD, they've been weak. So people are pulling money out of AAA corporate bonds, and they're putting money into high junk bonds, HYG. But it's telling you our appetite for risk is higher. Let's take a look at some of the top stories out of the market today. Goldman Sachs, they've raised their exposure to Asian-China GDP forecasts. 
You know how I always say you got to invest in China? You got to invest in Asia? You have to. You're not going to get where you want to if you miss out on growth because Asia and China will push inflation up. And if you've missed out on growth exposure to them, you lose. Now, Tim Geithner, he's asking Congress for higher U.S. debt limits. That's a big story. China, there's a story out of the American foreign press this morning that their property sales are soaring, triggering bubble fears. Dynergy's unwinding a power plant venture. McGuire Properties, this is probably one of those stories that you're not going to hear on the news. You're going to hear it on my show and very few other financial shows. McGuire Properties, they've warned of loan defaults. They're ultimately a big commercial property. They're planning to hand over control of seven buildings that they run in control with over $1.6 billion of debt to their creditors. This latest sign that rising vacancies and falling rents are causing stress in commercial real estate. A lot of people think the next shoe to fall is commercial real estate. McGuire has borrowed heavily during the go-go years to make disastrous top-of-the-market investments, mostly in Orange County. They notify the business mortgage holders that they expect an imminent default on the loans. So commercial property starting to get a little bit strained on the system. Rio Tinto, their shares drop on China spy allegations. Rio Tinto, China spy allegations. That's one of the problems with China, is you do not have the stable political system that the United States has. Hmm. Those are the big stories of the day. Taking a look at some market leaders. Merck's up 3%. Bank of America up 1.5%. Bank of America's been on fire recently. Intel up 1.5%. McDonald's up 1.5%. JP Morgan up 1%. Boeing down 2 3M down 2%, Cisco down 1.5%, American Express down 1%, Home Depot down 1% as well. So Federal Reserve's monetary policy meeting tomorrow and Wednesday, and we're going to get a lot of data out of it. Let's go to a quick phone call, Robert in Walnut Creek. Robert? Hey, Rob. How are you doing? Doing well. Hey, I got a question on these government-owned banks as their stock prices go up. With The only one that seems to have any weight behind it is the... Um, is uh, uh, Freddie Mac. Now, you see all these Citibank and AIG going up, but do they actually hold water? Are they going to continue to go up? Or I don't know. I, I don't play stocks under $5, and I don't play stocks that are government-owned because ultimately you get wiped out as a common stock shareholder, and I don't like telling people to go play these. Wildly speculative. It would be kind of roulette in Vegas. So uh-huh. if you want to play that, that's fine, but ultimately the Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae common stock story ends very, very badly. Now, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae are in the news today, and thanks for the call. Ultimately, their stocks are up huge. Now, again, when you're a 60-cent stock and you're up 60 cents, you're up huge. Now, the mortgage finance giants, they were placed in conservatorship by the United States government. The United States government has given them billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars, and they're worth less than a billion each. So when it comes time to pay back the government, government's going to get them first. For instance, if you ever screw over the IRS, you will owe an IRS bill for years and years and years and years to come. It can't be wiped out in bankruptcy or anything else. You're on the line. So Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, when the common stock comes due, it's going to zero. So I would be very cautious. Now, Freddie Mac said today after the closing bell that they swung to a second quarter profit and that they've added that they don't need additional financial aid from the United States government Again, will they be able to pay back the billions and billions of dollars that they've borrowed? I doubt it. Very unlikely. Real quick, um, let me give you a little lesson, too, on the Freddie Mac of the world. For those who are listening who don't know what the heck a Freddie Mac is, is it a Big Mac? No. 
Um, Freddie Mac uh, is known as the Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation. It's a government-sponsored entity, also known as a GSE. Uh, they've got their headquarters um, in Fairfax County, created in 1970, trying to expand the secondary market for mortgages. You go out and get a mortgage from your local firm, mortgage firm. Well, they typically try to sell it back to Fed- Freddie Mac and or Fannie Mae, um, or they get the money through them is is probably the better way of saying it. Ultimately, it does get uh, repackaged. So it's a, it's a basic huge acronym for Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation. Moody's... Um, Let's see. Uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae have both tried to sell themselves to Warren Buffett. The United States Treasury has contracted to acquire over a billion dollars in Freddie Mac senior preferred stock, paying a rate of 10% a year. Total investment may subsequently hit over $100 billion. That'd be very careful on a company that owes $100 billion to the United States that's currently publicly worth a billion. Can you play and trade it? Heck yeah. You're going to do well with it? I doubt it. All stories end bad in these kind of scenarios. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Don't be shy with the phone calls. It's the Rob Black Show. I haven't even mentioned that once yet. I'm Rob Black. Uh, Good for second opinions on anything financial. Look at me as your big brother or maybe your little brother if you're older than me. Anyhow, real estate palooza coming on Wednesday. So get your real estate questions lined up and geared ready primed for the pump on Wednesday. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air today. Black is watching your wallet live and local. Call 1 800 345 KNEW. Black Show, Rob Black. Talking all things financial. Mondays are always tough days for me to find my peace and my rhythm. Talking heads do a good job of finding it, though, for me. Ever get a chance to see David Byrne in concert, he's still just as good as he was when he was in his 30s. So he uh, still tours a lot. Now, some of his projects are pretty experimental, so make sure you find out if he's doing kind of a band show or if he's doing some of his experimental shows. Experimental shows are not nearly as good, in my opinion. Taking a look at a quick email or two. While I wait for phone calls, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. And email's rob at robblack.com. You've got a message. Jamail! Jamail is here! Ooh! What the hell is email? What's this? A letter for me. You've got mail, baby, yeah! Brandon sends an email. And his email starts with, I watch your TV segment on Cron4 Weekly. I'd like to ask you about which websites are best for people that want to learn about stocks and are new to the field. I want to learn about trading stocks and websites that you recommend. First and foremost, I don't recommend the average person try to trade stocks. I think it's a a fallacy that you're going to be successful at it. It's a lot like it's a fallacy that you're going to win if you keep going to Vegas every weekend. You're going to hit some bad luck here and there, and you're not going to be able to recover from your losses. 
Same thing with trading stocks. Trading stocks, if you are going to trade stocks, you have got to have a bullet, bullet, bullet point system that is hardcore. You can't take a loss of over 15%. You can't because you'll never, ever recover from it. It's like houses that are down 50% right now. You have to go up 100% to break even. That's a 20-year gain. That's 20 years of up, up housing markets. That's not going to happen for most people. So, Brandon, I highly recommend that you don't do this on your own. I think you're going to get into trouble. I think the best thing to do is, is think of it differently. Think of it as accumulating stocks versus trading stocks. Or let's take the word of, of stocks out of it. Think of it as accumulating assets, things that hold some sort of value over time. Stocks, bonds, and real estate, they all fall into that category, as do commodities. You know, the mistake that radio stations make, they, they play those commercials of, you know, gold is the greatest investment since the 2001. It's gone up every year. Well, it's a commodity, and guess what? Commodities have gone up. Commodities are a play on on the weaker dollar. What's been the big story since 2001? Weaker dollar. So you want to accumulate stocks, bonds, and real estate and some commodities. Now, what's cool is when you were a young boy or when I was a young boy, you couldn't really buy commodities because to get a barrel of oil, you needed $80,000 to purchase a contract. Whoa. To get palladium, you know, you had to, I don't even know how you got palladium as a kid. But now you can go out and buy an exchange-traded fund, which buys the you know, percentages of commodities for you. Commodities fall into three categories, energy, materials, metals, and um, agricultural. And a couple of years ago, I said on this, you know, not this air, but on air similar to this, when I was over at CBS, I said, um, sugar's going to go to an all-time high. Um, and sure enough, today, sugar's at an all-time high. I mean, I was right. It's... It's not rocket science. It turns into rocket science when you think you have a system that can beat the system. The system beats you. It always has. It always will. So you want to accumulate assets. So Brandon, I don't recommend you try trading stocks. If you want to learn a little bit more about individual companies, that's a good start. And where I would start with that is ValueLine.com. ValueLine.com. I think they've got a nice system of of teaching you about how to look at companies. Next up, this one says, Dear Rob, working out of the backyard, I have a Two 401k plans, one from a previous employer. Both are in Vanguard now. So the person has two 401ks. One, he left the job. One, they're with the job. I have 200k in one, and the other one has 50k. So 200 in the old, in the 200 in the new, 50 in the old. Um, asset allocation looks like it's 25% into an asset allocation fund. Uh, total bond fund is about 15%. Total stock market, about 50%. And total international, about 20 Those numbers don't offend me. Um, first and foremost, a total stock market fund is the right way to go versus the S&P 500. And the international 20, I think, is a good start for international exposure. When you're younger, I think you can get a 30 35%, crazy 40%. When you're older, I want you to have less. Because international markets are more volatile than the U.S. markets. Not all international markets, but speaking of emerging markets, international markets, you tend to make that assumption that all of them are. So this person's 45 years old. So that act. That allocation, not offensive to me. If you haven't saved enough for retirement and you've got 250 k at age 45, so I think you've done great, maybe get a little bit more conservative. Um, maybe a little bit. But if you're going to work another 20 years, you don't have to be conservative. Just know that you can be. Next up from a person, I was about to say a dirty word. I was going to say no S. Person's name is Rainbow. Who names their kid Rainbow? Seriously. This one is my dad and I bought a new home in Brentwood for $604,000. It's now worth $300,000, and I've only moved in 
uh, in 2006. My dad helped me make the payments in the beginning, and then I got a roommate to help for the past 18 months. I no longer have a roommate, and my dad isn't able to make up the difference. My dad and I both have credit scores of 850+, and my dad owns four other properties, hence why he can't float my house payment anymore during the hardships of the economy. But we just don't know what to do. The original thought in 2005 was that the house would go, you know, uh, go home, and uh, we would refinance and take my dad's name off the loan. But, well, it didn't turn out that way. We want a foreclosed short sale, but where do we get the good advice? Please help. I can't make that July house payment. My funds are exhausted. So I've, I've been sitting on this email for a little while because it's August. Sorry. Sometimes, Rainbow, I sit on emails. One last thought is that uh, the loan is through Wells Fargo. What Rainbow should do, and this is a good lesson for everyone out there, real estate is a liability. And your dad, you know, bless his peep and heart, but he wasn't that smart. He lucked into money. He bought real estate at the right time. He used leverage to buy it. He didn't make his money off of it. Now, he's probably hurting really bad. Having four pieces of property, he's quickly learning that he's overexposed to leverage. I own a home. I've got no problem with it. I own a rental property, cash flow positive. I own a business property that I depreciate. I've got no problem with my exposure, but I'm sophisticated. I stay on top of the stuff pretty aggressively. I understand that business is for depreciation. I understand investment is for cash flow, and I understand my home is for 30 years. Maybe 15, but you get the idea. Anyway, Rainbow, um, get an attorney. Uh, You want to do a short sell. You want to do a deed in lieu of. You want to do a foreclosure. You want to get out of that. There's no chance. In your lifetime, it's going to take you 20 plus years for a $300,000 property to be worth $600,000 in Brentwood. It may take longer because I don't think Brentwood's done going down. Um, You made a horrible mistake, and hopefully um, you and your, your father will be friends after all this in large part. And I just realized, I don't know if Rainbow is a man or a woman. What would anyone guess? Would Rainbow be a male or a female name? Or is it a non-gender name? Maybe it's a hermaphrodite. Maybe it's an asexual organism. I don't know. So anyway, um, Rainbow, he got in way over your head. So that's that. Let's take a little bit of a break here. But when we come back, I'm going to talk a little Apple. They're in the news today. I'm going to talk about banks. This number is going to shock you when I hear... When I tell you, overdraft fees. Now, you know you've lost your job. To add insult to injury, you go out and try to get money that you don't have. You write a check. You overdraft your account. I'm going to tell you what the overdraft fees are for this year, and it's going to stun you. 800-345-5639. Get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show. Talking all things financial, I'm Rob Black. One eight hundred three four five K N E W. This is Rob Black. There's two stack tech stories out there. Stack stories. There's two tech stories out there today that I find interesting. First and foremost, let's talk about Nortel. Do you remember Nortel? Nortel Networks. Nortel stood for Northern Telecom, or stands for Northern Telecom. It's kind of a Canadian lucent is probably the best way of explaining it. Back in its heyday in the 1990s, this was a company that if you didn't want to chase Cisco, if you didn't want to chase lucent, you'd say, well, Nortel's pretty good. They've done some reverse stock splits. So this number is going to sound shocking. At one point in time, it was an $815 stock. But again, they've done reverse stock splits. So that's a bogus number. So 
ultimately what you take a look at is from 1985, this stock was so successful, it went from 24, boom, to 815. Now, today, you can get bankrupt company. You, know, you can get shares for 10 cents, 5 cents. So it's dead. You know, at one point in time, they were the king. I like to study ecology because I think investments have an ecology feel to them. I think if you look at Hawaii and you look at closed ecosystems, uh, you can quickly see where Intel plays into it. And you can quickly see where Microsoft plays into it. You can quickly see where Nortel once played into it but died off due to a virus or something along those lines. Northern Telecom's dead. To me, Lucent is dead. Lucent Alcatel also dead. They just couldn't get out of the 90s. I know we know a lot of people like Screech from Saved by the Bell who couldn't get out of the 90s. Um, same thing with Northern Telecom. Now, today, they're basically, their CEO stepping down. Their loss is wide, and they've cut their cost. Uh, once one of the largest makers of telecom equipment in North America, the company makes core network switching wireless optical systems. They filed for bankruptcy in 2009, and uh, a judge is liquidating their assets. I guess I throw that out there because we really have to see sometimes things do die. The ecology does change, and they don't survive. In the 1990s, if you would ask me, will Nortel and Lucent be basically gone in 10 years? I would have probably said probably not, maybe maybe 20, but probably not 10. Happened faster than I would have thought. So let's talk about Apple now, because Apple is the current ecological 800-pound gorilla. Now, again, look at it in an ecology way. The number of semiconductors Intel cells supports many, 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 many monkeys beneath them. Software companies, hardware companies, memory companies. But without Intel cell and semiconductors, those companies don't necessarily do so well. Microsoft has their operating system. So the gadgets are kind of like the players and the software and the hardware are kind of the support angle, right? Kind of. Kind of. I'm, I'm, I'm stretching it a little bit right there. But UBS came out today and talked a little bit about Apple. And they issued a short-term buy rating on the company. I own shares of Apple. I should throw that out there for um, disclosure. Ticker symbol on Apple is AAPL. AAPL. Now, Apple's been fantastic. Oftentimes on the show, I'll tell you, I made a lot of money off Saddam Hussein. And you're saying, what the heck are you talking about? That's right. When Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait under the first George Bush, stock market went crazy down, only to recover. When Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait a second time under Bush Jr., stock market went down crazy. At one point in time when he was captured, I said on air, I said, I hope he kind of escapes so he can invade Kuwait again. Long story short, he hasn't escaped. He died. But you get the idea. I like to use crisis as a buying opportunity. The federa- the recession that we're in right now, it's a crisis. It's a headline crisis. If CNN has a crisis headline next to it, it's typically a good time to invest. I own shares of Apple. They had a personal crisis back in, you know, when they announced that Steve Jobs had cancer. Stock really scared off. People started taking photos of him, and he is a skinny, skinny dude. That is, his issue was eating him up inside. He was having problems gaining weight. So now that stock went from 200 down to 80 when we learned that he uh, was having issues, health issues again. And from 80, it's gone up to 164. Now, they're in the news today, Apple is. UBS is, is, issues a short-term uh, buy rating on it. What is a short-term buy rating? You don't, that's three things you don't hear together. Too often, citing the possible September quarter impact of a MacBook Pro refresh 
an iPhone 3GS expansion internationally, along with potential Verizon wireless product, potential iPod refreshes, and new wireless operators. Okay, okay, okay. New wireless operators, they're going to get in China, so they're going to get more volume for the iPhone there. They're not going to get the sweet AT&T deal that they have here, but they're going to get more volume, which can help seed their own economy. So UBS ups their price target to 170 Inside of this, there's the MacBook Pro refreshes. Mac enthusiasts are going to buy this. Not many other people will because it's an expensive computer. The iPhone 3GS expansion internationally, again, that's a nice story. But how about that potential Verizon wireless product? I was telling you two weeks ago that Verizon's got something coming out either late this year or early next year. And it's going to be a tablet or it's going to be a kind of a flattened down iPod. Will it have Bluetooth? Will it have wireless? Yes, it'll have wireless. Will it be a phone? Maybe, maybe not. It may just be a data product. Now, I've just got to the point where I'm buying a netbook. What is a netbook? A netbook is a poor man's notebook. So why am I buying it? Because I do a lot of sitting around at cafes, sitting around, you know, where I want to access email and do some work email so I don't have to do it at home. So I don't necessarily have to do it at work. So netbooks are a growing category. It's a $300, $400 laptop computer that doesn't have all the bells and whistles of laptops. So it's the only component right now that's really showing growth year over year in the world of technology. That's not totally true, but work with me. This is a radio show. So Apple's going to come out with this tablet, which is going to probably compete with the netbook because they don't want to miss out on that. They don't have a netbook. They got the MacBook Pros, which cost an arm and a leg and a toe. Now, UBS has new earnings. New products have historically been catalysts for shares of Apple because products lead to more earnings. Now, their concerns regarding the potential impact of broader economic weakness remains. They say recession still could hurt them. Now, ahead of the full quarter of MacBook Pro refreshes, iPhone 3GS's expansion internationally, that should help the September quarter. From a catalyst perspective, that potential data-centric product from Verizon, potential iPod refreshes and new wireless operators should help, you know, the short term get that stock to 170. So they have a short-term buy on it. Now, again, it's $164. This is not an upgrade where they're going way, way, way out on the limb. They're calling for $5 upside on the stock. I'm not terribly enthused by that. Now, there's another story on Apple today that I kind of want to send out to you. It's the iTunes 9. Apple constantly refreshes. So iTunes 9 upcoming features are starting to get leaked out. And they're pretty good, exciting features. They're going to add Blu-ray support to iTunes, which lines up nicely with recent Apple reports about integrating Blu-ray into their new iMac lineup. Something else that's going to happen that's got people all happy is that they're going to be able to have the ability to visually organize and arrange your iPhone and iPod Touch applications. Something that wasn't so clearly described um, is whether or not they're going to have Twitter, Facebook, Last FM integration with iTunes. So we're going to get some things that we talk about, and that's okay. Talk helps a company. In the end, be careful because earnings drive a company long-term. Short-term talk can give you a good trade. Let's go to Rick in San Francisco. Rick, what you got for me today? Uh, yeah, there's a question about Microsoft. Uh, and just to start off, this is uh, gambling money, not uh, investment money that we're talking about. Um, so they're coming out with Windows 7. Um, and I'm guess, and when, usually when they have a new operating system, they tend to pop a couple of months later. So I'm guessing, um, what do you think of that? And um, given the recent uh, trades in the last couple of months, I'm thinking maybe around 22 and a half. I'm just getting a second opinion. 
Sure. And um, let me do this. Let me come back after the break and give you a little more full-flushed answer on Microsoft. For those who want to look at it during the commercial break, that's a great idea. Ticker symbol is MSFT, Microsoft. It's $23.5 stock right now, $23.37. Keep in mind, it's had a huge run going from $15 to $25. And recently, it's given back some of that during earnings season. Their PE, pretty low. Pretty low historically. It's lower than the stock market right now at 14 times earnings and 12 times next year. They do have a product refresh with new Windows 7 coming out basically imminently. And then on top of that, they're going to have new Office coming out. And they're going to start doing some things um, against Google. They're going to fight Google with Google, so to speak. Some online applications that will be free to use. We'll talk about that when we come back off the break. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. I will answer, do I think Microsoft is a trade at these levels right after this break. This is a test of the emergency alert system. Hi, I'm Glenn Beck, coming up at noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Now, Rob Black. Violent Femmes. It's kind of summer music to me. Anyhow, um, many, 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 many years ago, I got 18 barrels of parts and I built two Fiat convertible spiders. And when you're building cars during the summer as a teenager, you get dirty, you get grossed, you get cut up, but you listen to great music and you remember it for the rest of your life. And I probably listened to that Violent Femmes album probably 60, 70, 80 times that summer. So before we went to break, we had a little bit of a chit-chat about Microsoft and whether now is a time to buy it for a trade or is it just not quite right? First and foremost, let's talk about Microsoft. They make billions of dollars and their revenue, their cash flow is billions of dollars. They're one of the healthiest financials companies that you can look at financially speaking they don't do a lot wrong there they basically have a monopoly or a darn close near monopoly on the businesses that they're in again if you can get 85 90 percent of the operating systems in the world you'd be in a better position than you think so they're doing pretty well they're doing pretty well let's talk about whether or not you should buy microsoft at these levels first and foremost What's going right for Microsoft? Well, they got that Bing search, B-I-N-G, which a lot of people like. Now, Yahoo is over. They're done. I don't know. Did you see the, the search terms that Microsoft did not have to pay in order to get all the search from, micro, from Yahoo? It was nothing. They got it for a nickel and a dime. A song, if you will. Will Google win the search war? They've won the war. Now it's all about, you know, some battles and saving some face. But Microsoft did a good thing by getting what they got out of Yahoo. And Yahoo, Excite, Lycos, InfoSeek, they're all gone. In the world of search, who won? Google and Microsoft. They're the only two players really left. 
Now, Google wants to give away free office applications, documents, you know, Word document, things along those lines, Excel spreadsheets, not Excel spreadsheets, but spreadsheets. They want to do it all online. They think uh, computing is going collaborative online. And there's some truth to that. Will Microsoft be able to change fast enough with the times? Times don't change very fast in the world of technology. So that's been the biggest, you know, up thing for them. Now, year over year, purchases of PCs are awful. They're down 16 to 17%. So that's the negative right now. The question is, will Windows 7, i.e., stabilize the PC shipments? Now, incremental revenue from Windows 7 will be nice. But again, they're a large company. They're kind of like the Titanic. To add another, you know, lifeboat or two, you can barely tell. Now, the company's improved focus on cost controls could drive, you know, higher trough to peak earnings per share as, you know, compared to the rest of the software and consensus expectations. I like Microsoft, not at these levels, believe it or not. Gary just got done raving about them, and I want to pull back in the, in the world of finance. I want to pull back. I love the valuation on Microsoft. So if I were to try to do a trade on Microsoft, it would be buy a little bit now, but buy more of it if it goes lower. We've had a, a March, April, May, June, July run up in the stock market, and Microsoft has run up in each of those months. So I want a little bit of a cooling off period. A better time to ask this was in March when the stock was sitting at $15 a share, and we knew Windows 7 was coming out, but we didn't know if we were going into a global depression, world recession, oppression. We didn't know what pression we were in. We were so confused. I wasn't, but most people were spooked by what the media had to say. Microsoft pays a 2.2% dividend yield. I don't think the valuation is going to hurt you. I think the only thing that will hurt you is that I think people are going to start saying, what's the next level of stimulus? What's the next level of, uh, you know, getting the consumer going, getting the corporations going? Will Microsoft be a player in that? If you got down to 22, uh, 21, 20, I'd be more aggressive on that 20 level uh, versus current levels. Let me take a quick look, technically speaking, what I'm seeing in the short term, because Caller mentioned specifically 22 and a half. And yeah, there is a double dip. There's a double bottom that could happen at 22 and a half. So I think he was seeing that as far as a buying opportunity that could take the stock up to 26, 27, $28. Now, Walt Mossberg, I refer to him as he's the guy who does technology reviews for the Wall Street Journal. He's kind of like your dad. He's kind of wise. He'll say, well, young Robert, don't exactly put Windows 7 on your computer. Get a new computer with it because the upgrade process is going to be a pain in your hiney. He's out there saying wonderful things about Windows 7. He says Windows 7 is what Windows Vista should have been. So the reviews are great for Windows 7. They're not going to have the same problem that Vista had, where what really happened with Vista is I think Intel and Vista and and Microsoft got together, and I think they came up with bad specs. I think they wanted it to work on low-end computers. It wasn't meant to work on low-end computers. They said it would work on low-end computers. People got it for low-end computers, and it was just a disaster. Now, Windows 7 does have one bad p- piece of PR that it has to get through right now. Supposedly, the OEM version, which is shipped to the manufacturers, original equipment manufacturers, supposedly had a memory leak when you ran a check disk and you did a slash R, and that memory leak has got, you know, nerds, IT people freaked out that I better not put it on the computer because memory leaks are the bane of existence in that blue screen of death, the BSD. So they need to get over that PR. I think they'll get over it. And for the record, it's the number one software company in the world. They just reported their first year-over-year decline in revenues. That's not too shabby. They've expanded into markets like video game consoles, where when they got into the video game console with the Xbox, people laughed at them. Now Sony's basically all, all but left for dead. 
not all but Left 4 Dead, but pretty darn close. Uh, the Sony PlayStation 3 has been a nightmare for Sony. It's just hemorrhaged cash for the company. Customer relation management applications, Microsoft does it. Server software, they do. Storage software, they do. Digital musical players, they do. In 2008, they made efforts to buy Yahoo. Ultimately, that got reboofed by the board of directors over at Yahoo. But the, the deal they got was a much better deal than what they were putting on the table. So they kind of got lucky that Yahoo had a stubborn board of directors because ultimately a better deal worked out for them. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. This is why I love radio more than television. Television is nice and it's clean and it, it is what it is. But I just spent 10 minutes, 8 minutes talking about Microsoft. I can't do that on television. You got to go to break. You got to go. You got to go. Got to go. Got to go. Um, McDonald's. 4.3% sales rise. When you hear our economy is negative 2, negative 3, negative 4, negative 5, negative 6% growth. Now we're right around negative 1, negative 2. But we were negative 6. When you hear a company is doing a 4.3% rise in same-store sales, now that was helped by European sales and a lot of new products that are coming in on McDonald's. There used to be a day when I guess you would say I was an investment snob where I'd go, I could find better than McDonald's. I can do it. Like, there's 12,000 plus stocks out there. You can find a better company than McDonald's or in your head you can. But sometimes you just got to say, you know what? That's a pretty good number. They yield 3.6%. We're in a recession. I'm going to call it a safe stock. I'm not going to call it a growth stock, but I want my 3.6% out of it. And I know I'm not going to get into a lot of trouble because they're growing sales at a time when other people are declining it. I'm not telling you you have to like the company. But there's no, there's no harm in a 3.6% dividend yield. Well, the harm is that you can get better somewhere else, but there's no harm in it of itself in comparative to bank rates. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm talking all things financial. On Wednesday show, I'm going to do a real estate palooza where I'm going to mix the music from Lollapalooza with all things real estate. I'm going to get a real estate agent in. I'm going to get... A broker, a loan broker, a mortgage broker in. I'm going to get a lender in. I'm going to get an appraiser in. I'm going to get into studio a person who does um, teaching for real estate agents. So five people in studio Wednesday. It's going to be a Lollapalooza. It's going to be a real estate palooza. It's going to be so much real estate information. You're going to want to tape it because in those two hours, you're going to learn what you need to know about buying and selling real estate. That's coming up on Wednesday. Also, I do the live blog, 910kennyw.com, 910kennyw.com. Uh, you can jump on right here, right now. I'll talk with you for the next six minutes before we come back on to the show. Uh, I'll do a little bit of interactive with you, 910kennyw.com. And if you want to call on the show, it's 800-345-5639. If you want to find me online, it's robblack.com. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.